Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. embassy of the kingdom of God. Can I get a good amen? Isn't it sweet? I love it. Well, my name is Pradeepan. I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to thank you for your flexibility, for joining us in this new venue, for joining us online. I believe that God is alive even in different venues, that the church is not a building, but it's a people called out for the purposes of God. Amen. And we are, we are doing church. I love the presence of the Lord. I love worshiping. I love that we can enter into prayer and be a house of prayer. And we aren't political strategists, many of us. We don't have all the answers, but what we can do is pray. We can cry out to God in desperation, believing that God hears our prayers. And then even in our faulty words, he will work all things out for his good. Amen. He will build the church. He will advance the kingdom. And we can be a praying people. And I, I am proud of that. And I'm excited for us to pray tonight here at the Embassy Suites and having a time of fellowship as well and just being a family of God. We don't want to just be a church that's friendly, but a church of friends going through the highs and the lows together. And so if it's your first time here at Kalos Church, I just want to say welcome. We're honored that you're here. We are passionate about making known the beauty of Jesus, experiencing that beauty, and including the whole world in it. And so God bless you for being here. Today we are starting a brand new series all about the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are the beginning of Jesus's arguably most famous sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 and the Sermon on the Plains in Luke chapter 6. And the Beatitudes are really upside down. They're backwards. They're uncomfortable. Even me as a pastor, they challenge my theology. They challenge my desires. They challenge our American culture. They challenge our individualism. They challenge the American dream. And it really causes us to to wrestle with it. And I think it's one of the reasons you often see that Christians are more familiar with the Ten Commandments because they're easier to understand than the Beatitudes. But the Beatitudes were Jesus's manifesto here on the earth. It really ushers in this new covenant reality of following and practicing the words and the ways of Jesus. And I think it's important that we take some time to understand it. You know, this beatitude, and I'm going to read it, it really challenges us with this question. What does it mean to be blessed? What does the blessed life look like? You know, I go online and Instagram, and I'll often see a picture. I just got the perfect pumpkin spice latte. My life is hashtag blessed. I just drove through four green lights in a row. My life is hashtag blessed. You know what I'm talking about? I just found 
a wallet on the ground filled with $200. My life is hashtag blessed. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for this favor of this stolen wallet. And this idea of hashtag blessed is something that we see online, we see in our lives. But I, I want to ask you, what does it really mean to be blessed? When we look at the Beatitudes, I think it's going to challenge us, especially in our Western culture. In the kingdom, being blessed doesn't mean you're very wealthy. In the kingdom, being blessed doesn't mean you have a lot of possessions. In the kingdom, being blessed doesn't mean you have a, a happy family, a happy wife, happy life. In the kingdom, I, I, man, I, I'm just walking in the favor of God. I'm too blessed to be stressed. In, in the kingdom of God doesn't mean I, I, I'm Instagram verified and I have the blue check and I've gone viral. Is that what it means in the kingdom to be blessed? Is it that I, I have a great house or I have a great car? And I, I think we're going to be challenged. In Luke chapter 6, let's read the very words of Jesus on what it means to be blessed. He says, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. And so in this passage, Jesus says, speaking to a, a large audience, he had been healing the sick. He'd been casting demons out of the oppressed. He had been bringing good news to the poor. He's speaking to outcasts. He's speaking to marginalized. He's speaking to the people who are desperate, who aren't very popular. And he says, you are blessed when you're poor. You're blessed when you weep. You're blessed when you are hungry. He's speaking to people who are longing for hope and deliverance because a foreign military called the Romans had invaded their land and they weren't even responsible for their own land because people had taken it by force. And then Jesus, he says something uncomfortable, a little backwards, a little countercultural. He says to this audience, a very real people, you are blessed when you are poor. You know, if I, if I were going to write some of these Beatitudes, this is, this is what I, I would write. Blessed are the insanely wealthy, for they can buy tons of Lambos and Teslas. <laughs> Blessed are those who eat Burger King, for they don't have to eat a salad. <laughs> Blessed are those who laugh at puns, for they suffer their own punishment. <laughs> Blessed are those who have tons of social media followers and are verified, for they will go viral. And so what, what, what is going on here, Jesus? Because I, I don't even know if I want to believe what he's saying. This goes against my comfort, my security. This goes against the American dream. The word blessed here in the Greek is the word makarios, 
which isn't like this, uh, I'm just in the spiritual blessing, I'm super holy. It was more often translated as happy or the defined favor of the gods are upon you or even lucky. Some translations and paraphrases of the Bible use the word lucky to understand the word makarios. It's something that you would say like when you meet someone and they just have a, a baby, you would say, hey, makarios, congrats. Or as the Australians say, good on you, mate, right? Hey, this is good for you. This is a good thing. And, and it wasn't like overtly spiritual. It was just more of like a greeting or lucky. It's like Napoleon Dynamite is like lucky. That's the, the sense and the idea of Makarios. And so when we look at the word of Jesus here, it's a bold teaching. Imagine walking up to someone who had just experienced a miscarriage and saying, hey, you're lucky that you're weeping now about this. Or someone dealing with infertility, you're lucky. Or ima imagine going up to someone who hasn't had a meal for a long time. They're starving. They don't know where their next source of nutrition is coming from. And you would say, hey, lucky are you. Imagine walking up to someone who's experiencing uh, divorce. They're separated, and they, they don't know what's happening. The whole family is speaking poorly of them. Like, why are you fighting for your marriage? You should just give up. And then people are trashing them, and then Jesus says, hey, lucky are you. It, it feels insensitive, doesn't it? It feels like if someone, anybody else but Jesus would say it, I would slap them with the five-fold ministry of God. <laughs> lucky are you? But we have to wrestle with it because it is exactly what Jesus says in the scripture. In the beatitude, it's like Jesus says, the less blessed you feel, the more blessed you are. It's like all of the blessings of the Old Testament are now curses in the New Testament. It's like, what's going on here? I thought, hey, it, it, shouldn't we seek a good reputation? It's more valuable than silver. Don't we want all people to speak well of us? Like, don't we want to be wealthy? Like, hey, you know, if we meditate on the word day and night, we'll, we'll be successful and the Lord will prosper us and he'll give us blessing. But all of a sudden, he reverses all of these things. And the blessings of the Old Testament and this new covenant and this new reality of what it means to be human, those blessings now become curses. And the curses of being poor, of weeping, of being uncomfortable, of having your identity and your status in society challenged, all of a sudden, that's a blessing. Have you ever felt, when you compare yourself to other people, I don't feel very blessed? Have you ever felt unpopular, uncool? Have you ever felt like the Lord wasn't with you? Have you ever felt just like so sad because your desperate prayers aren't being answered? Well, the audience that Jesus was speaking to would understand. And maybe you've never heard this before. Maybe your family has called you cursed. Maybe your friends have called you cursed. Maybe it just feels like you can't do anything right. You can never have comfort in this world. You never are super popular or have the status. You're not as famous as you want to be. You don't have as much money as you want. You don't feel as, as influential as you should be at this age. Well, I want to let you know, maybe for the first time, you are blessed. Jesus calls 
you blessed. And so what, what do we do with this? Well, the first thing I want to share is this. The Beatitudes tell us God helps those who can't help themselves. How many of you have heard from grandma, God helps those who help themselves? Well, your grandma's a heretic. Because <laughs> the Beatitudes are good news for the poor. God helps those who can't help themselves. Can I get a good amen? There is such thing as a free lunch, and it's called salvation. The kingdom of God is a handout. We can't earn it. We didn't deserve it. The people who showed up to hear Jesus, that's all they did. They showed up. And he said, the kingdom of God is yours. Not because you're wise, not because you're strong, not because you endured, not because you're good looking, not because you're talented, not because you're strong, not because you're great, because I'm choosing to give you the kingdom for free. This is good news for the poor. And uh, here's the deal. When Jesus is speaking, it probably felt like better news for the poor than the rich. It did. He's saying, hey, you are poor, and I'm giving you the kingdom. And now what we do in America is we much rather read from Matthew 5 than Luke chapter 6. Because in Luke chapter 6, it just says, blessed are the poor. In Matthew 5, this is what we often see in churches, blessed are the poor in spirit. Let's allegorize this. Let's over-spiritualize this so we can steal one more thing from the poor. Even the good words Jesus says over them. Let's just make it be about being desperate for God. And I I think that's okay. But when you study the scriptures, you will often see that Jesus has a preference for the poor. He issues so many warnings for the rich. And he blesses the poor. He tells us we need to be like children that are dependent on him. There are two words in Greek that can often be used to use poor in this context. And the word here for poor is actually destitute. Like they can't help themselves. They're, they're totally helpless. They're totally vulnerable to gentrification. They're totally be vulnerable to those who really have power. And this is the context. And so it might have felt like the Beatitudes was better news to those without power. And this is a weird teaching because I I grew up in a church context where if you're experiencing sickness or poverty or suffering or struggle, it's because you were doing something wrong. You weren't being blessed by God. You were being cursed by God. Anybody grow up with that kind of teaching? Something wrong. I remember when Amritha and I were dating, her car broke down. And she's like, I don't know why my car broke down. And I said, well, are you tithing? And she broke down crying. She said, I forgot last week. I'm like, you sinner! No wonder your car broke down. If you do things right, you'll walk in the blessing. But Jesus says, if you feel cursed, you are walking in the blessing. This is crazy. This is backwards. This is uncomfortable for me as a pastor. I remember when our son got diagnosed with autism and he began to lose his eye contact and language. And we were mourning that. And then our daughter also received a diagnosis with autism. Someone texted us and said, the reason your daughter also has a special needs diagnosis is because you were mourning over the lost relationship you used to have with your son and you hung 
a faithless noose around your family. We got that text. You are responsible for your kid's inability to communicate like you want. And I, I found in the church, we expect to be like living this comfortable, healthy, wealthy, wise lives all the time. And so the last place we want to go when we're struggling is the church because we assume everybody thinks we're being disobedient to God because we're struggling. Have you ever been there? It's like, oh, you're blessed, you're blessed. I'm not. I still struggle with my faith. I still don't know how to pay the bills. I'm still dealing with the sickness. And people are telling us, well, it's because you didn't pray the right prayer. It's because you didn't have enough faith. It's because you're living in sin. But Jesus totally upends this. He says, if you're poor, you're blessed, and I'm giving you the kingdom. He says, if you're weeping, you're blessed, and I'm giving you in the kingdom. Man, this is good news for all of us who are living in the struggle. This is good news for all of us who are on the outside looking in. This is the gospel. You know, my, my family has really experienced some of the blessings of being poor and the curses of being rich. You know, when we explain the Beatitudes in the church, we often want to make them like virtues or commands. But that's not what they are. This is good news, not good advice. Can I get a good amen? This is good news. You don't seek persecution, okay? Hey, punch me in the face. I want to be blessed. No, you can do that for fun, but not to apply the scripture, right? Don't seek weeping. This isn't a recipe for entering the kingdom of God. This isn't a a works-based faith. This is people just showing up and receiving good news, not virtues, not commandments, not advice. This is simply good news. These aren't even timeless truths because we look forward to a day where Jesus will wipe away every single tear, amen, where all the sad things in life will become untrue. So this is not virtue. This is not a truth. These are not requirements. This is just good news. My family, they lived through civil war in Sri Lanka, and they made it as refugees in America, and they were so poor, they were going to end their lives. A pastor welcomed them into their house in poverty, gave them a fresh start. They gave their lives to the Lord. They began to pray and worship But then they got jobs, and they started to build their own house in Coon Rapids, Minnesota. They began to get cars and live the American dream. And when the gospel penetrated their heart, they were saved. They experienced joy. But then the cares and the riches of the world began to choke that seed of the gospel out in their hearts. And as a young man, I grew up knowing that my family was saved by the church and the people of God executing gospel hospitality, but I didn't know the gospel for myself. I knew Super Nintendo. I knew a full belly. I I knew the comforts of this world, but not the kingdom of Jesus. And so in my own family, they drew near to Jesus in their poverty, but as their wealth grew, they walked away from the church. Isn't that the perfect example of the American dream? You need Jesus when you're poor. You don't when you're rich. And I think maybe this is one of the reasons Jesus says, blessed are the poor. Because we are a people who say, I'm desperate for you, God. 
I'm not self-reliant. You are my hope. I can't take care of myself. I have to not operate just in self-care where I'm the source of my healing, but I need to cast my cares on you, Lord Jesus. You are my good king. You are my hope. You are my deliverance. I love this quote by Pastor Philip Yancey. The poor, the hungry, the mourners, and the oppressed truly are blessed. Not because of their miserable states, of course. Jesus spent much of his life trying to remedy those miseries. Rather, they are blessed because of an innate advantage they hold over those more comfortable and self-sufficient. People who are rich, successful, and beautiful may well go through life relying on their natural gifts. People who lack such natural advantages, hence underqualified for success in the kingdom of this world, just might turn to God in their time of need. Human beings do not readily admit desperation. When they do, the kingdom of heaven draws near. The kingdom of God is good news to the economic poor. The good news is for those with poverty in spirit. Because even as this church, we can have a service without the Holy Spirit. And the sad thing is, a lot of us wouldn't even notice. But I just want to say, we as pastors, we are desperate for the Spirit of God in this church. We want to put ourselves in situations where if the Spirit of God doesn't show up, we're in trouble. Because we need Him. And we just say, Lord Jesus, come into our lives. Come into this church. Kingdom of God, we are desperate for you to be advanced in our lives, our hearts, this congregation, in our city, this state, this nation, the world. We need a move of God. Second thing I want to share is this. The Beatitudes tell us that wealth can be a curse. Self-reliance is not a kingdom attribute. A lot of us feel like we don't need a savior. I've got a good job, I'm healthy, I've got a great house, I've got a great car, I don't need to pray about my next meal, I know that it's coming. We're self-reliant, we're like, God, I'm okay, I can do 10 push-ups and 4 sets, I'm capable, (laughs) I'm so capable. This reminds me of what was said to the church of Laodicea in the book of Revelation, chapter 3. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. Does that sound like Bellevue or what? But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Does that sound like Bellevue or what? I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. And white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. And salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. You know, when you look at the words of Jesus at face value, he issues a lot of woes and warnings to the rich. Guess what? We are the rich. That's good news and bad news. And am I saying that all money is evil? No. I mean, even Jesus was well-fed. We celebrated the Last Supper today, right? He was well-fed, but he issues a warning when we are self-reliant on ourselves. Because here's the reality, and here's one of the most important messages for this region. Good things become the worst things when they get in the way of the best things. Let me say that again. Good things become the worst things when they get in the way of Jesus. 
Wealth can be a curse. When we look at the scriptures, he says it's hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of God. He says, blessed are the poor. He says, you store for yourself these storehouses and barns of grain, and you have an extra one. And he warns them time and time again. He says to a rich young ruler, hey, I want to go deeper, Jesus. Um, How many of us have ever prayed that? Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to go deeper. The rich young ruler approaches Jesus in the scriptures. What do I need to do to inherit eternal salvation? He goes, go, sell all your possessions. Give it to the poor. And he says, I can't do it. And he leaves sad because he had many possessions. It's not that I don't want you to own possessions. It's that Jesus doesn't want possessions to own you. And it's not like I'm saying you need to do without, but I want to challenge you to do good with what you have. And this is hard. You know, Jesus issues warnings to the rich because it's hard to grasp onto the kingdom when your hands are already full with the pleasures of the world. It's hard. Let me give you a quick example. We have in this room people who own houses and people who don't. For us, We don't own a home right now. We rent. So we are praying for housing prices to crash. (laughs) Can I get a good amen? Because we're poor in the spirit. But you homeowners, what's your prayer? You don't want it to crash. You want the pleasures of this world to increase. Does that make sense, though? When you own the house, you want the prices to increase. When you don't, you want them to decrease. That's why Jesus is saying, hey, blessed are the poor, because I can give you the kingdom. You aren't worshiping yourselves because you have nothing in your own strength to be proud of. And so you're just open. You aren't afraid of opening up your hands because there's nothing to take out of it. And so there's room for me to place the kingdom in there. But for those of us who have legitimate pleasures of this world, and I I mean, I have a great house that I rent. We own two cars. We have a very privileged life. And so that's why I said at the beginning of this message, these words of Jesus are uncomfortable to me. They're so uncomfortable. But I can't ignore that Jesus says it. Are your hands too full to receive the blessings of God? You know, Amy Carlson here, she's our kids director. She had a high-paying job in corporate America. It's the reason she moved here to Bellevue. But the Lord started to say, I have a blessing for you. Would you quit your job and serve the kids here at Kalos Church with a part-time payment? You're going to be working full-time hours, trust me. (laughs) But you're going to be paid part-time. Her and Tori, they prayed about it, and they said, Lord... I don't want anything to get in the way of me following you, Jesus. I don't want the pleasures and the riches and the influence and the status of the world to hold me back to being obedient because I'd rather be faithful than successful. Well done, rich servant. No. Well done, influential servant. No. Well done, successful servant. No. What will Jesus say to us in judgment? Well done, good and faithful servant. I mean, this is the kingdom. This is beautiful. 
I mean, when we look at the other examples of Jesus, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like someone who threw a banquet. And I, I went after this married couple, and they said, hey, come, come eat at the, the king of kings banquet. And they said, I just got married. I can't go to that banquet. Someone else had just bought a field. I got to go look at this field. I can't go to this banquet. Hey, I, I got an ox. Self-explained. I can't go to the bank. I can't go to the banquet. Ox, the ox is going to feel left out. <laughs> and so what does Jesus say? He says, all right, servants, my house is going to be full. That's my desire. So I'm telling you, servants, go to the highways, the byways, go find the poor, go find the lepers, go find the disenfranchised, go find the people who feel the least comfortable in religious environments and say, I want them to sit at the table with me. Blessed are the poor. Because the wealthy, the people who are distracted and choked out by the cares of the world, they didn't sit at the banquet with the king of kings. I mean, this is crazy. And so are we willing to let go of things for God? That's my, my challenge for you. If the Lord told you to sell your house, your car, if he told you to quit your job in corporate America to serve the poor, to serve the body of Christ, would you do it? Or would you say, I can't do that. That's not wise. That's not comfortable. I have found that faith is often the enemy of wisdom. This doesn't look right, Lord. This doesn't match my plan. What if things backfire? What if I have to have faith? What if I have to trust you? God's like, yeah. That's kind of the whole point. It's impossible to please God without faith. It is possible to live a comfortable life without faith. Which ones are we doing? Are you praying? Are you desperate for God? Do you have this life of self-reliance and self-sufficiency? <laughs> I have found in my life that the opposite of a prayerful life is a prideful life. If you're not praying, you're not desperate for God. If you're not praying, you know that your bills are going to be paid in your own strength. If you're not praying, you know your next meal is coming in your own wisdom. But God uses the foolish of this world to put the shame the wise. God says, I exalt the weak over the strong. The first shall be last. And I, I have good news for those of you who feel disqualified. You feel weak. You feel dumb. You feel unliked. You feel ugly. You feel like you're not where you should be. You are blessed. And God is going to give you the kingdom. Yeah. Point three, the Beatitudes tell us that all sad things will become untrue. You know, in Jesus, we have to wrestle with this. Blessed are the poor, for they will receive the kingdom. And we live in a time where we're not experiencing the fullness of the kingdom. But it is breaking into our reality. And so we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come, your will be done. Amen. Would you make all these sad things in our lives untrue? For those things we are weeping over, for those things that are uncomfortable because of our poverty, we do long for your kingdom to come. And we look to Jesus, who really exemplifies these beatitudes. Was Jesus poor? Yes. Did Jesus weep? Yes. Did Jesus, he was a man who had no place to lay his head. And then we see Jesus on the cross, the most blessed man who has ever existed on this earth, but not 
the cross. He's mocked. He's cursed. But it opened up the doors for the greatest privilege of all. That we could go to his table. We could enter into the kingdom of God. We could receive the joy of salvation. That our names would be written in the Lamb's book of life. And on the cross, he reverses everything and he makes it backward and upside down. And it's uncomfortable for all of us. And today, I just want to challenge you with this question. Is there anything that's getting in the way of your desperation for God? Are there good things that you're holding on to that are choking out the pleasures of the kingdom? Are you self-reliant or are you prayerful? Are you self-sufficient or are you desperate in recognizing that I am poor before you? Because my prayer is that we wouldn't be like the church of Laodicea where we say, I'm rich, I have it all under control, but we would say, Jesus, I recognize my own poverty. Jesus, I recognize my inadequacy. And as a church, we need Jesus. I know we're getting a new building. I know we've got great talent in this room. But I just want to say, we need Jesus. We need the spirit of God. We need a move of his spirit because we are not strong enough. I remember back when we first started to wonder, why was our son losing his language when he was around two years old? He's six now. We went to this place called Kindering and got him evaluated, and they, they sat us down. This was not on our radar at all. We just thought he was delayed in speech, and they said, hey, we think your son has autism. We suggest you get further testing. Totally hit us so hard. And then this lady came up to us and said, hey, I just want to let you know, you have a son with autism, and you're so lucky. We were so angry at her. We were so bitter. It was so insensitive. I, please never say something like that to someone. In that moment, it was just so inappropriate. But over the years, that anger and that bitterness, and I'm like, God, I don't want to be blessed. God, I don't feel blessed. God, I don't want this reality. He's began to work in my house, and I've even seen with other special needs parents. You're like, Wow. You, you don't accept the pain. You don't want these things. You don't want to be afraid that your kid's going to run into the street and die. You don't want to be afraid of these things. That, these, are, these are painful realities. But even in that, it's like under all of that garbage, the Lord is doing something beautiful in our hearts. Where we're learning how to love in an unconditional way. We're learning how to love. That's not a tit-for-tat kind of method. We're learning to love in a way that's self-sacrificial and pouring out, and it's not what we want. And it's like, what is going on? And when I really take the Beatitudes at face value, there's a reality that I don't want to accept, and it's this. My son, Obi, he might be the most blessed person here. I don't want to accept that, honestly, just being real with you. He, couldn't, he came here to the hotel today, and he had to leave. Because it was just too much. It was a new location. It, it was too stimulating. It was too difficult. It was too new. He's at home right now. But I feel like the spirit of the Lord and the Beatitudes is saying, maybe he's the most blessed one of all of us. Because his inheritance is the kingdom of God. And so with that in mind, Kalos Church, 
God bless you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I, I pray that you'd help us understand the reality of your kingdom. It's uncomfortable to our American dream. It's uncomfortable for our individualistic, self-reliant, pick ourselves up by the bootstraps, judgment of the economically poor in our society. It just doesn't make sense when we're going through issues with sickness and finances and desperation and we're like, God, where are you? What are you doing? Why aren't we getting our relief now? But you just comfort us and say we are blessed that you're working out something in us and that you will. It is your good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And so, Lord, we just trust you. That's all we know to do. And I pray that you would align our orientation, our heart, with the kingdom of God. What seems backwards, what seems upside down. Lord, help us to see things from your perspective. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you, Kalos Church. For those of you who are walking in the blessing, congrats and I'm sorry. You're lucky. Makarios. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.